0: Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. With over 200,000 locations throughout the U.S. and offering 12,000 different
1: types of batteries, stop into your local Interstate Battery store today and let them help you find the right batteries for your everyday life. <laughs>
0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. I am fresh off the plane from ICAST 2019, and I can't stress to you guys how much fun that that trip was, and how eye opening it was to meet so many great guys and gals in the industry, the fishing industry, uh, on a national stage like that, all gathered under one roof. It, it was, it was. I learned a ton, and. You know, I'm going to be doing a little bit more of a podcast on my experiences down there and some of the folks who I've met who agreed to come on the podcast to educate us more about what they're all about. But on this one, on this episode right here, currently, you're going to hear from Walleye Pro Max Wilson. Max is, I believe, leading the points in Angler of the Year right now in the 2019 season. And I talked with him down in ICAST right before he gets ready to go to the Sault Ste. Marie event, which by the time this gets out will probably already have happened, but uh, make sure you guys follow along on the national Cabela's walleye tour to follow more about max. But we we get into uh, not only his upbringings, but how he has gone on to win a championship last year in 2018 at such a young age. And he talks about the highs and lows in his career, how he almost gave up, at certain points of his life um but how perseverance and a couple of other th- a couple other things and people pushed him to be his best and to continue on to to be so successful as a as a walleye pro also joining the podcast is uh matt bain you guys will remember him from a few episodes back and uh, we just talk in the hotel room um after a day at icast so here we go here's max and matt all right we're rolling Okay, we are live here at uh, iCast 2019. Um, I guess the only spot that we could finally do a podcast was in our lovely hotel room.
2: Hey, we got a nice view, though. We have a beautiful view.
0: Yeah. The pool outside. And cars driving by. That's right, like 100% humidity.
2: Oh, yeah. You can Uh, see the heat.
0: So we're just going to go around right quick and uh, do a, a quick intro. So let's start with... You, sir, over there,
2: Mr. Flatbrem Nation. (laughs) Yep, I'm Max Wilson. And? And. What do you do for a living, sir? Uh, Oh, uh, I chase walleyes around this beautiful country. Yep,
0: and I hear you're getting pretty darn good at it. (laughs) Okay, you over there, what do we got? I am Matt (laughs) Bain. All right, we got Matt Bain. You remember him from um, episodes back in the wintertime? Uh, you might recall the person who fell through the ice in the uh, and had to walk what two miles back
1: to his cabin. Two miles back to the cabin. That's right.
2: You know they make underwater cameras. You don't have to go scuba diving to see where they <laughs> are. I learned man. that afterwards, Max. Okay. Thank you very much. I'm glad. I'm glad I could tell you that, bud. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I got a question. Let all the folks know where the whole nickname from the Flat Brim Nation came from, because I kind of support it.
2: Yeah. So that's uh, that's a little bit of a long story. Um, you know, Flat Brim Nation is all about uh, standing up to haters. Um, <laughs> you know, when I first started in this industry, I was uh, I was a young kid. Um, you know. Young and dumb. I might have, you know, been a little bit of a young punk, but um, I thought when I first started, I was I was pretty good at being respectful to everyone and, and trying to make as many friends as possible. And um, my fiance at the time um, had gotten me a flat rim for my birthday, and I'd never really been a flat room guy. I had one that I wore here or there, but it, you know, I've always just been the regular hat guy. And uh, she got it for me, and being the good fiance at the time that I was, I was uh, I wore it and i went i was actually in lake erie and i wore it one day and you know my friends started razzing me oh you know only bass guys wear that only bass guys wear that only thugs wear flat brims you know these just razzing me like friends do and yeah. it, it, it didn't bother me none but then um so i started kind of clapping back at them i you know the next day i was like you know flat brims are for walleyes or flat brims add 10 pounds and i'm holding two 10 pounders you know and so mm-hmm. i was just kind of playing with my friends a little bit and um all of a sudden some people who i had no idea who the heck they were um just started posting and saying things that uh one human shouldn't say to another um just very hurtful unnecessary things uh you know um i got called a flat brim wearing clown who's gonna get murdered by the pros um that I'm a thug, I'm a punk, uh, you know, just, just just really just hateful things. And I actually, I had one guy uh, message me telling me that uh, my mother deserves to get slapped for raising such a punk kid like me and oh, that God. he'd have no problem um, putting a cap in my behind if he'd ever seen me. So, like, you know, I was getting these. Is know, this a guy who fishes? Uh not on the I know not on the, not, like, the tournament. Yeah, but like, he's a you know he he fishes so he's tournaments. Following you, so. I've ran you know I've ran into him, seen him. Um, you know it's it's just you know local anglers that have nothing better to do than than to hate on people. And you know it when I got that and I got a couple other messages, it pissed me off. Um, it takes a lot to to set me off, but that really really set me off because I I feel like I've done a good job along the way of of making friends along the way and trying to be friends with everyone. I, 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 it's very hard for me to dislike anyone. Cause it, where I grew up, you know, if you were a fisherman, we were one of a kind, you know, we were, yep. we, we kind of stayed together. And, uh, when, uh, when I got these messages, it just, it, it hurt. It hurt a lot because I, I don't like people disliking me and knowing people were, were saying these things. It, 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 it pissed me off on a whole new level. And, you know, my initial reaction was to tell them, you know, piss off or, you know, some stronger words. And you can't quite tell people that on social media when you're trying to build a career. So my excuse me, <laughs> my way of dealing with that was, well, you know, if it's frustrating and, and angering these people this much, then you know what? They're going to see flat rims. And uh, it, it kind of turned into a defiant, like, uh, you know, standing up to the haters type of deal. But after a while, flat brim nation kind of turned into a bigger thing. It turned into um, it turned into my brand. I got known as a flat brim guy. So you embraced it. I embraced it. You know, and, and, and to be honest, I I am not. You know, if I had the choice between two, I probably just take my old curb you know curb brim. But the flat brim, it signifies so much more to me. It it signifies. St- <laughs> standing up to those who say you can't and those who want you to fail and looking them in the eye and saying you know what i will succeed and uh that's really what i've done over the last three years four four years now um you know it's it's just standing up to the haters and to the naysayers and um you know no matter what what aspect it is in life whether it's fishing or just you know succeeding in anything when people tell you you can look them in the eye say you know what you're wrong you know that's not going to define me a hat's not going to define who i am and uh, i'm going to be so much bigger than what you think i am and i'm going to prove you wrong you know and i've never forgot those people and i i, I don't hold grudges but I, I i don't forget what was said to me and um every every time someone's ran their mouth good things have followed so now i embrace the haters because good things follow afterwards
0: that's good you took an uh, an embrace approach to it because i thought it was just something more where you truly like flat brim hats and i was gonna support it to be like so do I and that's why I wear them too but
2: yeah you know it's it's one of those things where it's just it's it's for me it's it's doing you know in in this world there's so so much hate you know and i I stay out of politics i stay out of um religion i stay out of all that because in this world i just i hate to see what what this what this world is coming to and what what's going on there's so much hate so much um divide in this country and just in the world in general and uh, i i really hate to see it and if you know I, I try and be accepting of, you know, um, of everything, your race, creed, you know, sexual um, orientation, your, you know, your wealth status, whatever. I don't care. As long as you're a good person, I'm going to like you and I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to try and be your best friend. And, you know, I, I try and set that example the where, you know, it doesn't matter, you know where you came from who you are what you are what you make you know if you're a good person then i'll be your friend and if you don't want to be and you're you're going to spew hate and you're going to spew hate to someone based off the hat that they wear or just something so trivial then you know what i don't have time for you in my life and i'm going to surround myself with the best possible people because that's how you, you succeed in life amen man i dig it
0: all right so now that we're we got the uh the flat nation, and that's a hashtag that a lot of folks can follow, and we'll link to that in the show notes. But what do you guys think about ICAST so far? This is my first time. Matt, you got some input? I love ICAST. This is my second year doing this. Dude, I highly suggest that if anyone's in the industry in any aspect, whether you're a guide, if you're working or rapping for com- or companies, you should really try to spend the money or even if they'll pay for part of it, come down here and check it out because... Totally agree. It, dude, it was
1: a lot bigger than I thought. Yeah, If whatever you think the fishing community is, to multiply it by a 100 and that's what I cast is. Yeah, so you got... Obviously,
0: you got fresh water, which is a lot of folks listening to this podcast, but the bigger world out there, which is salt water. I mean, we're in Florida, so we're surrounded by it. And... It's, it's massive. It was a lot bigger than I thought it would be. But I tell you what, it's really cool to walk around to take ideas from saltwater fishing and apply it to freshwater and see the different baits and all that kind of stuff. I really liked it.
2: It, you know, it's it's been a fantastic experience. This is actually my first ICAST. Um, I tried to come three years ago, um, and, uh, you know, I, I probably wasn't ready. I probably, back then, I I just wanted to come to see all the booths, see all the people. And uh, I was actually on my way to the airport. It was three years ago today. I was on my way to the airport, and um, there was actually a fatal car accident about 10, 10 cars ahead of me. And I ended up missing my my flight to ICAST, and uh, you know it sucked because I really wanted to be here. But you know now that I'm at this point in my career, and I can really truly understand what ICAST is all about. It's it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, it's still just another another show. You know, I work them all winter long. You get kind of tired of the of the sports shows by the end of the year, the product shows. But it's really cool to have everyone. In the industry together. All the who's who's of the fishing industry is here. And a lot of, you know, I've been fangirling the last two days because the people that I've been meeting and seeing are the people that I watch on TV or, you know, the personalities. Thank you. I was telling Bane about that earlier because Bane was like, wow,
0: you're really fangirling a lot of people around here. I was like, dude, I just recognize them." It, you know, whether they're bass anglers or they're walleye anglers or they're guys in the freshwater or i'm sorry in the saltwater side of things i just recognize a lot
2: of people i was like man that's pretty cool it's we you all come together it's weird you know there's these guys that i i grew up watching you know like i saw um bruce mitchell from swamp people um yesterday and i'm like that is, you know, that is just crazy to see him real life. And, you know, like today I talked to, you know, one of my favorite bass anglers, Adrian Avina, who, you know, has just been lighting the world on fire the last few years. And uh, to actually sit there and have a conversation with him today. Do you know who you were? Yeah, no, unfortunately not. I oh, you um, get that a lot in the walleye side of things. You know, it, it, it's just, it, you know i'm not i'm not there yet you know but um it was just it was cool to sit there and talk with him i talked to jordan lee today um you know and i had met jordan before so he remembered me which was cool um but it was cool to talk to adrian about fishing and he was actually pre-fishing for that mlf tournament i want to bagel while i was out there while i fishing oh nice and it was cool because we kind of exchanged um tips you know because i was whacking the bass during uh uh, the tournament, you know, and he was whacking the walleyes, so we were telling each other how we caught him, where we caught him. It was cool to sit down with someone that you really, really look up to the industry and, you know, to be able to sit there and share stories and stuff like that and just kind of, you know, kind of talk, you know, and, and today, you know, it was it was cool because I I had quite a few meetings with companies and um, I, I'm actually going to be in a video game now, so I was meeting with the video game designers today um, and we are designing my, my character and all that and talking about the future with that. What's the video game again? Um, It's Sim Fishing World Pro tour um is it all fishing yep all fishing so so
0: so so in the video game can you if i'm max wilson can i be any can i go fish for any species
2: uh yeah so uh actually what you can do is you can fish how we're setting up and there's a lot more that's going to get released there's a lot more details that are coming soon but pretty much how this game works is you can fish you start out as a regular regular um like uh angler unsponsored you start out basic level
0: oh just like i am right now
2: yeah but the cool thing (laughs) is is as you fish you as you do better in these tournaments you unlock sponsors and you your jersey gets more filled and filled and filled and you get to these higher levels and you can win these points win these tiers and then you can compete against these anglers so you have have all the B B S S guys, all the elites, all the F L W, all the M L F guys in there, and now I got added in there, and uh, another guy got added. In, excuse me, in there for the U um, S A Angling that I'm that I'm a part of. So we're in the Predator fishing. And soon there's going to be walleye added, um, you know, like oh, just a strict walleye category added. You can fish these tournaments. You can fun fish. You can play online against other anglers. Um, and it gets super in-depth. It's not like any other fishing game I've ever played where you just cast reel and fish. It's you have to pick the right bait, pick the right line. If you uh, match the right line and the right bait and the uh, uh, right rod together, that's when you start catching more fish. You have It's just like real life where you have to have the right setup to catch the most fish. And it was actually super exciting. But as a young angler, you know, to be – to be a part of something like that it was so cool to sit down and have that meeting you know and and to have that opportunity at this show where other shows you really wouldn't have an opportunity like that
0: there's so much stuff at this show and i'll probably do a separate podcast about it even probably with Boehner over there about all the stuff that we've seen all the companies all the cool things that a lot of companies are coming out with that we had no idea of um it's actually pretty exciting to get all that kind of stuff together because Really takes, I would say it takes more than a day to gi- to digest everything. We kind of, I wouldn't say we rushed through it, but we went through the convention center pretty quick today, and there was a lot to digest.
1: Yeah, we we totally missed probably three quarters of it.
0: Yeah, who was that dude that you saw from Deadliest Catch? I was
1: say that wild Bill we ran into today from Deadliest Catch.
0: I don't I don't know that guy. I don't have cable though, so
1: yeah, you are kind of like living out of outer space without cape. i don't think you need cable. wild bill is a pretty big deal in <laughs> yeah he's <laughs> one of the
2: big names on yeah. i i seen him and that was pretty cool yeah you know i ran into mike iconelli today i seen you know a couple guys from swamp people it was it, it was cool i mean it's it's cool to be at this show and to see all these personalities that you've seen on Facebook or social yeah. media throughout the years and yeah. to actually see them and, and have a conversation and realize, hey, they're real people. You know,
0: it's cool to see them work too. Like go out to the booths, kind of see what they do, the kind of what they're going through. They really do know a lot about the products and all that kind of stuff. And they sit there and talk and you can ask a bunch of questions oh, about yeah. whatever booth they're at and... They'll just sit there like they're anybody else and talk to you about it, which is kind of cool.
2: Yeah, it's it's crazy and it, it's it's cool to see the different levels, you know, and see see um, the different level of anglers how they how they work and the levels that they put in. You know, what I mean, you you look at the MLF and bass guys that are, you know, the amount of work that they're popping around, and you can kind of see like the lower level like open guys that are grinding and trying to get to the level where the other guys are. You can see them like it's it's like one. <laughs> big beehive yeah There's people moving around doing different things trying to get doing different jobs trying to get to different places it's really cool to sit back and watch the industry work as a whole and then you know we're literally in one big beehive here you're seeing the industry all different jobs all different facets all different levels working together you know all trying to get to that one goal of trying to make a living in this industry
1: you know, all right yeah go ahead quick, quick question so i filmed the aim this year and i really have never experienced the competitive tournaments Until and then seeing what goes into what produces a win, it's amazing to see how much you guys have to do it between the pre fishing, you know, the strategy with teamwork and everything else that goes into it. Now you understand
2: why I'm tired all the time because when you're fishing 28 of those a year, it the amount of work that goes into a tournament. Is ridiculous. Um,
0: yeah. Time out. Before we get into that, I want to give everyone a little bit of a backstory on you. <laughs> before that, but So that way we can lead up to this kind of lifestyle that you've chosen. Yep. So first off, how old are you, Mr. Wilson? Uh, 22. 22 years old. Yep. So you're just... I'm only a year older than you. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm a lot older than you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, how did you get started into... I guess uh, fishing. We can start just general with fishing.
2: Um. Well. So my dad was a fishing guide. Um. So I kind of grew up fishing with him. He. He really. You know, that's the one, you know, me and my dad never, we, we don't have much of a relationship now, but the one thing I'll have to give him credit for was he really put his all into getting me into fishing um, and just to get me excited about the sport. So he really got me, he taught me how to cast. He, he would do, I remember we'd do backyard casting sessions. We'd sit in the garage for hours upon hours and do uh, knot tying and, and, you know, just learning at a young age. So he really got me excited about it. I could name every freshwater fish by the time I was three years old. That was a, my first big accomplishment. So you know, I, I really got into it there, and then my grandpa was a, a huge influence. I talk about him all the time. You know, he's he's probably the biggest role model I've I've ever had, and he he really pushed me to continue on with it. Um, you know, he was a huge supporter of mine, and then uh, you know, just got you know, tournament fishing just kind of it was funny how it came came to be. You know, I was uh, actually a soft sophomore in high school. Uh, I just just was going into junior year. And I was I just found my love for tournament fishing. I just bought my first like sixteen foot boat, um, and I, I could I could fish a little bit bigger water. And um, I was going up to Lake Winnebago. I lived down in Waukesha area, uh, Milwaukee area. And okay. it's an Hour and a half drive to Lake Winnebago, and I was driving every single day, seven days a week, an hour and a half from. From my house after school, going up there, fishing till sundown all summer long. Uh, And then when school got out, I was up there every single day fishing nonstop. That's all I did, and I I just fell in love with it. And uh, one day, it was... uh, Specifically... For all species or all walleye? walleye? I mean, okay. I like catching whatever, but I've always been a walleye guy from the day I was born. My dad's always been a walleye guy. Okay. Um, that's just what I was raised to fish for, what I was raised to love. You know, I, I've been bred to be a walleye guy. And um, I, I it, I'll, it was June 23rd, 2014. Um, was my first tournament and I it was funny because it was a Tuesday I decided I wanted to f- try fishing a tournament I just wanted to try um, getting in you know trying competitive because I was you know just having fun and I wanted it I'm always been a competitive person but I sucked at sports so you know I, you had to find a way to itch that competitive itch and um, I got I found the Sheboygan Walleye Club which is a small club uh, that I still fish to this day and uh, they had a tournament on Lake Winnebago that that Sunday and so I got in on it I pre-fished Saturday and caught some fish found some fish didn't really know what i was doing um and then i went out and i actually fished out a little 16 footer made this ridiculous long run in four foot waves in a 16 footer that probably shouldn't have done and uh we ended up taking second and um i just missed the win by one ounce um and (laughs) you know for my first tournament it's a good start but it pissed me off um Second, probably, I hate taking second more than any other place out there. I'll take a third over a second any day of the week. Yeah,
0: second's brutal.
2: Yeah, because you're so close, especially being that close. And we had, the thing with that tournament was we had such a good bag. Um, We had a good average of fish. And the guy who won it, which good for him, he did it. But he had all, he had four smaller fish and one, lucky gigantic fish that he somehow caught right in front of the boat launch as he was coming in he just did one long trolling pass in the mud um and locked into that one big one which you know good for him he caught the winning fish but you know it was frustrating because you know i had a spot on the spot program i caught all good fish you know i had a good bag and then he got you know that one big fish that totally blew his other four fish out of the water which he got you know ended up getting me so that really really just started a um that was the beginning of the end I like to say for me so you looked up the Ricky Bobby if you're not first you're last pretty much yeah you know I was like (laughs) and you know my thing was wow this tournament fishing is really easy you know like I gotta do this more you know and so I started doing it and my first year was really good you know I, I fished has like 10 or 11 tournaments i didn't take anything less than like 15th that my entire first year so i'm like you know i'm thinking i'm the second coming of jesus you know what i mean i'm right. i'm amazing at walleye fishing i'm you know i'm my my head's getting bigger and bigger and then um i fished that next season i graduated high school earlier and um i fished that next next season before i went off to boot camp and uh, i i won an event on the detroit river and um you know i i, ca- I took a 10th place the next week i won a bagel and i'm like i'm awesome you know and then i left for excuse me i left for boot camp and i came back and uh i got a humble (laughs) got a big case of humble pie um took me about two three years to really learn to get to where i I could be successful again but you know tournament fishing is all about the highs and the lows and that that really you know taught me a lot
0: how do you deal with the lows so like if you go through that like here you are thinking that you're you know you're the bee's knees and you're doing well for yourself, you go off to boot camp, you're going to come back. How do you deal with those lows and still not losing sight of... So I guess my other question too is, at this point, do you still want to try to make a career out of this? Like, are you thinking that you're going to try to make a career out of this?
2: (laughs) Yeah, at this point, I'm kind of so far in I have to. Um, You know, to be honest with you, a lot of people who followed my my path um, along the way um, I, I had a really, really, really bad two, uh, three years. Okay. Um, those were, you know, still, I, I get emotional talking about because those were, those were the worst, worst few years of my life. Um, I, I had all aspects of my life for just, were just tough. And, uh, I had horrible finishes. I didn't cash a check for like three years. Um, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. I had a lot of close calls to where, um, um, I, I almost didn't make it back a couple of times. Um stuff was breaking, uh, I, I was losing, I was losing faith in myself, and, uh, you know, I, honestly, I, 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 asked myself how I got through it, um, a lot, because a lot of times it was, there was times where there was no way I could make it out of this, there's no way I could keep going, I'm not good enough, you know, I, I, don't have it in me, um, but at the end of the day, you have to believe in yourself, um, and deep down in your core, if you can remember, if you can believe in yourself and tell yourself that you can do it, um, a lot you just keep trudging on and one thing with me and a lot of my friends can attest to this i'm probably the most stubborn person you'll ever meet all right um you know which is to all my friends i know surprising but i would um, agree with that right Matt? yeah
1: you know last year you had a pretty rough start and then all of a sudden you came back and then won the nationals and i think that's It gives you super credit for just keep fighting and fighting and fighting, and then... Yeah.
2: You know, last year was a really good year. Um, Before that, the year before was probably one of the worst um, starts to my career. Um, I was boatless. Uh, I had just terrible luck. Uh, I was finishing low, you know, and it was was really, really bad. Um, And then I finally, I hit a turning point, and, uh, you know, it's funny because I... The, the turning point in my career, you know, everyone will think that winning the national championship was a turning point in my career, but for me, that the spot that that stands out that was that's a turning point for me is um, I fished a tournament with my mom for the first time, and uh, that's when tournament fishing became fun again. For a while, it was just a job; it was just miserable. You know, I was just going out to fishies, and I was getting my butt kicked, and it just wasn't fun anymore.
0: Was it was it losing that hurt, or was it the fact that you just wanted? to win so bad and make a career out of it and that you weren't that was frustrating it, it,
2: no it, what hurt was knowing that i was capable of doing better and that i failed okay um i knew i knew what type of angler i was and knew what i was capable of because there's no one on this planet that's a bigger critique of a uh, critic of max wilson than max wilson himself yeah um and you'll see that in my posts where um I, i'm pissed at myself every time i i, I could finish like i could finish you know fifth and i'll be pissed at myself because you're I, brutally
0: honest with yourself after you like you're like i fit i had no excuse today i fish bad like yeah. you'll you'll post that on social and media I, and then,
2: i i messed up you yeah, know and, and yep. i hate myself for it you know and a lot of times you know and i i, I you know, there's the best, you know, and I'll, I'll get to the best example here in a minute. But like, you know, the, the turning point was when I literally when I fished with my mom um, and that forever will have saved my career because, you know, for two years, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't even come close to a check. I couldn't even sniff a check. And I fished with my mom. And, um you know, this was that that time of my life right then, right. The, the three, four months before that was the toughest, worst part of my career. I told my mom that I was, I was selling everything. I was done. I, you know, I, I, it was just everything that could go wrong in my life did. And, uh, purple, professional and, prof, uh, personal and professionally. And, uh, she's she talked me out of it and i I asked her to fish that tournament with me because i didn't have anyone else to fish and we uh we went out and had the most fun i've ever had on 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 game day two days we went out and fish caught fish watching her catch fish um you know was awesome and i she caught big fish she kicked my butt for two days you know and just seeing the look of enjoyment on her face reminded me why you know why i did this and uh she uh her and i took 18th we just missed a check but that was my highest finish in in years and um we i went out the next day fish tournament and i took um seventh or eighth and cash a check my first top 10 in a while and then after that i went to the national team championship and i was tied for the lead going into the final day mm-hmm. you know of 250 boats the biggest tournament of my life and i choked it um and I took uh, I took fourth, you know, which fourth out of two fifty one is good, but <laughs> it's really good. I, I choked it. And for that was my first major choke. and I was pissed at myself. But after that, I started to believe in myself and say, okay, I'm starting to put things together. And after that, you know, things started to fall fall together, you know. I mean, I still had some low finishes, but, you know, you go to, like, the championship, the National Wally Tour championship. I was sitting in 10th after day one, you know, and I, I, had, I, I had a good start, you know. And I was like, wow, I can actually compete against these guys. I choked on day two. Which forever will be my biggest choke. I, I'm still mad at myself, but you learn from these. From these, and I, I learned very early on that, you know, your biggest failures are going to teach you the most. And I learned from that, and I took that into the next season.
0: That was one of my questions.
2: Yeah, and every time you fail, you know that's where you're going to learn. Uh, failure doesn't scare me. Uh, I, I embrace failure, but it's what I take out of a failure. And that, that's what makes you a good angler and that what that's what makes you a good person in general. And that every one of these failures I learned, you know, I, I stay there, I take my lickings. You know, Gary Parsons said it best. He goes, you know, sometimes you just need to get your butt kicked for a few years. And, and, you know, that you'll learn from it. And then when you go back to these places, you're gonna you're gonna be better prepared every time, you know, and and I really took that I, I you know, I sat down after that twenty seventeen season and I, I, I kinda did some soul searching and and um, you know, I figured out what I needed to do. I got my personal life in order. I got my you know mentally, I, I got back into it, and I, yeah. I I I decided, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go go into it, and I I quit my you know I quit my day job. I said I wanted I wanted to fish, and uh, I went into it full bore. And you know, 2018, 2018, last season, and last season was the best season of my life. You know, and. Um, you know, we ended up winning, you know, I, I, ended up winning, uh, the national championship on Lake of the woods. And then a week later, which, you know, I'm just as probably, you know, probably more proud of was, uh, you know, me and my partner, Isaac ended up winning team of the year. And that, that award right there makes me proud because it showed, it showed the consistency and it showed my growth as an angler. You know what I mean?
0: Lay out to the folks what your tournament schedule is because, <laughs> you know, so, you know, 2018, when you say you had a good season you're fishing the national walleye tour you're fishing the aim
2: weekend walleye series weekend
0: walleye series so and the master's walleye season. and the so master good. yeah as to say so a lot of folks listening to this might get confused about where you're jumping around to so 2018 start us off with the first feather in your cap
2: <laughs> yeah so 2018, so I actually started on the Columbia River um, was the beginning of my season, and that was fun. That was a fun trip. We fished a tournament out there, and we actually finished all right for going across the country and never fishing that place before. And then my first true big tournament of the year was uh, the Masters Walleye Circuit on, uh, in Spring Valley, Illinois. And for the folks at home, um, Spring Valley is actually in my professional opinion which is in illinois illinois river yep that is hands down the toughest place i've ever fished my entire life there's never been a place that i've ever been to that is so technique specific and is so filled with hammers like great sticks than spring valley because there's not much to fish in illinois and the illinois river is one of the main fisheries and those guys that fish it have been fishing it for 40 50 60 years and they know every nook every cranny every technique um you know they can put their ear to the water and figure out what those fish want um and river fishing is its own beast you have to be spot on the spot and it changes daily um you know as you know fishing the detroit river and um but the illinois river is just so spot on and you're literally fishing for ounces because you're fishing for sauger out there and I got my butt kicked for years on Illinois River, and I kept going back. You know, my friends, my original partner, he hated it. My friends hated it. They all hated that river. Um, and don't don't worry, I, I'm not a big fan of that river, but I take that as a challenge, and I, I wanted to keep going back and learn that. You know, and so last year was was the was the start of it to where, um, you know, we finally went out and, and kind of took four years of knowledge and were able to put it into a really good first day. Um, we were in second place after day one, just mm-hmm. outside the lead. Um, and of course, Mother Nature showed up on day two, and uh, I, I choked it again, um, and we slipped down to six. But a six on that body of water, I was proud of. It was a good start to the year. How many boats? Um. 90 90 to 100 ish those are that's usually what that tournament is so you cash a check yeah oh yeah we, we cashed a good check um and we got valuable points um and i me and isaac that was our first year fishing together and i told them on day one or you know, day two i said you know what after once we realized we might not win this i said you know what let's go get let's go get our five you know and uh Let's let's go for team of the year, and th- you know that's my biggest step. I think I've taken as an angler is is become a good decision maker on on the water. You fish enough tournaments, and you fish enough, you you know when to make decisions, you know when to move, you know when to trust your gut. And um, I said, you know what? Let's at least get the points and get you know get five fish, and that's when the team of the year idea came into our head. Okay, and you know from there, we went to the Detroit River, which you know again we
0: a better river to fish on but still challenging
2: yeah yeah i mean i would like to see it back 2015 when 50 pounds a day was average yeah not 15 but you know it's it's its own beast but this one we were allowed to go into the lake and it was it was cool and it was fun um and we let you go into erie yeah they let us go into erie okay so we went you know michigan waters we went down to erie and we actually had a pretty good bag on day one um the mistake was we could only we only got in four fish um
0: I want to ask a question about those mistakes that you're talking about. So do those mistakes, are those mistakes harder to make, or I'm sorry, have more of an impact on larger bodies of water? So for example, like you said, like you can stick to the river system, but like if you get to a big body of water, like say you're fishing a tournament on Erie or Saginaw Bay, those mistakes, do they have? Uh, higher repercussions if based off of decisions were longer runs and things like that. So, okay.
2: Oh, yeah. So, like, for example, I literally just got back from Lake Erie two weeks ago and um, I take full responsibility for that one. That's another one that I was really tough on myself for. Um, We finished 15th in that one. And, um, like I said, decision-making is key in these tournaments. And uh, I... I messed up on day one and I fished memories. I, I went back to where we fished that national championship, um, where we had that good bag because there's, there's always fish there Yeah. and Lake Erie right now is so chock full of fish and there's fish everywhere. And, um, I didn't, I didn't take the data that I received in prefish. I didn't take my, my pre-fishing data. I, I went off of memories and I, that's how I based our day one bag or day one position. And, um, we messed up (laughs) we messed up big time and i drove right over that spot and day two um we didn't get the bag we needed and we were sitting pretty tough and i was i was mad at myself i mean i was furious with myself because i knew i messed up there's times where you can get you can get fish and there's times where you know it just doesn't happen but decision making is key in tournaments and this year me and isaac have just i have not made the right because i'm i'm the boat driver you know at the end of the day you know me and isaac make decisions as a team but at the end of the day i'm driving the boat so i take responsibility for when we mess up and um detroit day one made the wrong decision again okay i didn't trust my gut and we went left when we should have went right and by the time we went right it was too late and same thing with erie um and day two once again both detroit and erie this year we were able to make the right decisions on day two and climb somewhat back up but both times the hole was a little bit too deep to dig. So, you know, that that's the thing. And then last year, you know, last year, me and Isaac, um, winning team of the year, our decision-making was awesome. Um, we made the right decision, and that's how it goes in tournaments. It just happens sometimes, but, um, you know, we made the right decisions at the right times. Um, and it got to the point where at the end of the year, um, I, my gut never never told us wrong all last year, and it got to the point where, I would start to tell Isaac something. I said, Hey, man, my gut. He goes, I, I don't even want to know what it is. Let's go do it. Let's go do it. He, yeah. You know, we got that trust with each other by the end of the year, and it, it you know, it, it ended up working out. And, you know, the championship is, is probably one of the best stories I ever have for making, for decision making, you know. So in, in, give us the
0: bullet points on that. And then lay out. So you, so lay out the venues last year for the NWT. First, you guys started off where?
2: Uh, Lake Winnebago, my home water. where did you finish there? Uh, 20th
0: okay then we went to saginaw
2: bay yep um not good i was like in the 50s or 60s again decision making just did not fish you, you properly. took a
0: long run that day right or I, day I, two i
2: i i took i took a somewhat long run i didn't take the long runs that the other guys were making but i was running like 40 i just didn't fish my spots i didn't hit my milk run effectively i i got too much in my head and, and uh, Th- yeah that's a big body of water to dissect too there's so, a lot of fish to be caught everywhere and um i didn't once again i didn't take my prefish data i didn't i didn't analyze the data properly and i i, I made the wrong decision I, I i messed up you know but that was an interesting body of water you know and then from there we went to devil's lake um and uh yeah that devil's lake was almost the end of my career um and that was a, that was the turning point in my in my um national wallet tour career because uh you know, I that that Lake Winnebago was my first check I ever cashed as a pro. I cashed one as a co angler, but I I cashed. You know, I finally cashed um, in Winnebago and um, Devils. I caught two fish in two days, and um, I'm not proud of it. But when you know, and I love Dylan to death. Dylan's one of my closest friends. But when when Dylan won, um, I was really down on myself because you know, to me it felt like you know. I couldn't compete with these guys um and And he's
0: around your age right he's
2: he's one year younger than me and i couldn't compete with these guys and um there was you know new generation taking over and i couldn't compete against these the new wave coming in i couldn't compete against these guys and i got so down on myself i was so happy for dylan you know i was so happy to see it but it it was tough to see other young guys coming in and doing well when i was still struggling you know and it really got me down on myself and um you know that was the crossroad i hit I sat there at the end of the day um, almost in tears because that was the worst tournament I've ever fished. I was embarrassed, you know.
0: But it was a long drive home.
2: You know what? And I was so embarrassed about myself and I was so mad at myself that I actually forced myself to stay up and drive that whole entire 12-hour drive home. Um, and I had a lot of time to think. And, you know, I thought to myself, you know, I've, I've come too far. I've, I've put in too much. I've, I've I've put in the blood, sweat, and tears to this. I, I, I have to keep going. I have to at least fish the next one. And, uh, you know, I, I called Dylan to congratulate him and talk to him. And it was just so great to see someone else doing it, you know, and, um, it, it he, ins- he inspired me to keep going, you know, believe it or not, as tough as it was to see, you know, um, um, you know people around me friends winning and me still struggling and me finishing almost dead last which was the biggest embarrassment of my career um it it inspired me to you know at least try one more time and um you know honest to god lake of the woods was uh was gonna be it for me um i didn't believe i could do it i didn't believe i i could uh i could compete against you know the secure the chemo's the parsons of the world
0: and this is the championship
2: The championship the big one right and um i just went out and uh my mindset was just go have fun you know go have fun one last time and you know my game plan was to step back and maybe just fish the master walleye circuit and kind of you know do that and go from there and um you know I was fortunate enough to make the right decision on day one to uh you know pop up on the spot with 10 minutes left and you know as guy would have it I had a 29 and three quarters on on the last 10 minutes of the day, I got my over because, you know, Lake of the Woods, you're only allowed one over 28, and the rest have to be under 19 and a half. Okay. And I had my unders, but, um, you know, I got that big one right in front of the boat launch right at the end, and, um, you know, I got lucky. Well, so day two, um, I, um, th- this is my favorite one of my favorite gut stories. Um, day two, I went and fished my spot, caught my unders, and then I went and chased overs all day, caught nothing um just getting my butt kicked i had a 27 and three quarters you know it's so close but nothing so with an hour left i ran back to my spot and i got to my spot and um where i caught the fish the day before i wanted to give myself an hour well i got there we got the rods in the water and i'm looking at the graph and the graph is bare and i got real quiet and i told my co i said hey i was like do you trust me and he goes why you know he was like real question i said do you trust me and he goes, kind of have no choice he goes what's up i said he goes uh well first before he said that he goes you don't like the mark you don't like like the way the graph looks i said no they've disappeared in here i said we gotta we gotta get out of here and he goes well where do you want to go i said well i want to go back to where we just came from which was 15 miles north of the bull launch and i said i want to go back there and i want to finish out there because the marks were insane there i said we need to get in over i said the marks were insane there maybe they'll fire and he goes are you crazy? I go, yeah, maybe, let's go. So we pick up and luckily I drive a Triton so I was doing 70 the whole way up there. And I got there and I sat down and it wasn't even five minutes and I had a 28 and a half that I landed.
0: And how much time do you have left?
2: Uh, I had about twenty minutes of actual fishing left before I had to go in.
0: So you take that and run.
2: Oh, I, I grabbed it and ran because um, yeah. it, it inhaled the bait and it, it popped a gill. So I wanted to get it in, get it released before it died on me. And uh, I came in and I was I was a, just a barrel of emotions. You know, I was just happy to be in the top ten as I knew with the second over I was going to at least I was I was I had to be in the top ten and to be sitting in fifth after after the second day going into the, the cut day that's a dream come true that's my third you know my third championship cut i've made are you guaranteed to cash a check then going into that third day yep okay yep you're and you're guaranteed a big trophy and i was happy about the big trophy to be honest yeah um and uh you know it's funny i told my co angler on on day three um because we were seven po- or at least i was i was seven pounds out of the lead and i said you know I don't know if we can catch him today because Blosser was on big fish and you know he's at one of the best anglers I've ever met. Yeah, and you know I I didn't know I, I didn't think I could catch him. And I told him I said you know what I said I don't care what happens today let's just go have fun. You know this this might be my last day fishing NWTs let's let's go out and do this. And uh, I played uh, I got a pretty killer sound system in my boat and we cranked the music going out and went out and I just something in my gut told me to. Cause the first two days of the tournament, I went to my unders spot first, caught my unders and then I'd go chase overs and something in my gut told me you need to go fish big fish to start. I don't know what it was, but I just, I decided, I decided to trust it and I went out and I got there and, um, what music were you
0: playing? Do you mind me asking?
2: Um, so I was playing Hound Dog by Elvis Presley. (laughs) Um, and then I play a lot of CCR. Um, and, uh, uh, a lot of classic rock i was feeling classic rock that day
0: all right you know and that's what's got you going and got the fish going
2: that, well it keeps me relaxed um, all right you know there's a lot of times i'll play like my new age like rave, techno music or rap you know it gets me all pumped up but i just i wanted to un- unwind and relax so i played that taking off and uh we get out there past all the boats getting there and got there got a 26 and three quarters right off the bat and then um I made a big mistake. And so when I pull lead core, I release, I back off the drag all the way. Um, so when these fish hit, I let them pull out the drag, um, and I let them run with the bait for however long to get that bait in their mouth, and then I'll tighten down on them, reel down on them, and then start reeling.
0: So you tighten the drag before you start? setting the hook and reeling right yep so what i'll
2: do is i'll tighten the drag and i'll reel down in the rod holder and when i reel down that's the hook set you don't even have to set the hook it it, you know the 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 hooks will go into its mouth so i forgot to tell my co-angler this and so you know my co-angler just was doing you know doing as he's told didn't do anything you know on his own which is great you know but so he got bit and i watched the rod fold in half i mean he was a big fish and I ran over, grabbed the rod, got like ten cranks into the fish, and all of a sudden it popped off. And I was so mad at myself because, I, you know, it's the little, the details of what is what makes a, a tournament angler next level. Paying attention to those little details, always doing anything perfect at all times. And I, I messed up there, and I was pissed at myself because you only get certain amount of chances at these big fish. Well, I'm sitting there trying not to break the rod over my head because I'm so mad. I'm shaking. I'm, I'm so mad at myself. And I reset the rod, put the rod back in the rod holder. And then I look over, and I see my rod tap once and then just bury. And I let it run, ran over, tightened the drag down, reeled into it. And I looked at my co I said, reel up your rod, pull the kicker up. I said, if we get this fish, it's over. I, f- I hooked that fish at 7.45 in the morning, and I fought that fish till 8.15. It took me 30 minutes to get that walleye into the boat. because While trolling? While trolling.
0: Now, that's different from, I mean, that's got to be a big fish because usually everyone thinks that when you're trolling walleye, they give up, float to the surface, and you can just kind of reel them in.
2: Lake of the Woods walleyes are the hardest fighting fish I've ever encountered in my life. They fight till the bitter end. I mean, I have never in my life felt a walleye fight that hard. And that fish, it was a 30 and three quarters, probably well over 10 pounds. And that fish, we would get it to the boat. We would see it. And mind you, I was playing it very loosely because I did not want to chance anything. So I had to drag loose. I was letting it run. It was the boss. Um, And it would get to the boat. We would see it. We'd see that one treble hook in its mouth, and it would peel out 80 feet of drag. So it took, once we landed that fish, they heard me two miles down the lake when I landed that because I let out a scream and I just laid there like oh my god this is not happening you know, and this was eight fifteen and I I composed myself I sat down for a minute I put the rods away and I grabbed my other rods out and we were at our next our under spot by eight twenty five and I had my limit of five fish by eight forty five so. The fishing was pretty hot, and we actually we got to have such a fun day. I mean, I ha- I, I haven't had that much fun in a long time on the water because we just put zero pressure on ourselves.
0: Did you had it, or you just knew that you would be in
2: Nope, I time? did not. I didn't know I won it. I didn't even think I won it until they handed me that trophy. Okay. Because I was so far behind. I, I told them, I said, you know what? We're going to need a perfect day. I said, let's just go out and have fun. And by 10, was it, 1030, we had four of our five fish that I ended up weighing. And we were having fun, blasting music, you know, sitting there, eating sandwiches, just relaxing, you know, waiting for the clock to tick by. And we actually caught, we fished hard till the end and we lost two good ones and we caught one more really good upgrade right at 1.30. And we were hugging, jumping up and down all, bo- all the other boats around us are, you know, the pleasure boaters are looking at us like, why are you hugging over a 19-inch walleye, you know? Yeah. And, um...
0: They so, didn't know you had that 30 and whatever in, yeah. the, in the live well.
2: And two, two o'clock rolled around and, um two o'clock rolled around and uh i looked at him and I, I told him i said you know what let's go in you know and um we just took a nice easy drive in and you know it, the, the ride back i i, I played the mu- you know i played music and i was getting really emotional throughout the whole time and you know one one story that I, I really haven't shared with a lot of people um you know i had mentioned earlier that you know my grandpa is a is a huge influence in my life and um there's a there's a poem that uh um that that's out there it's called the dragonfly poem and it's it basically goes like um was a bunch of grubs that lived at the at the bottom of of a pond and uh every once in a while they get the urge to go up the lily pad stocks and they'd never see their friends again and they always wondered where they went and um one day one of the one of the grubs went up the went up the stock came out to lily pad and he fell asleep it was super nice and warm and When he woke up he had transformed into into a beautiful dragonfly and he flew around and he could see his friends down there and he flew around as much as he could but no matter how hard he tried he couldn't get down there to see him again and basically what the poem goes on to say is um just because we can't see our loved ones after after they go through the transformation that we call death does not mean that they're not here with us and um when you know right before i went for went to boot camp my my grandpa uh, was moved into hospice and he he was my father figure growing up he's the reason why i joined the marine corps why i went into the family business why i started fishing in general and um when i went to go say goodbye the day i shipped off to boot camp um that was probably the hardest day i've ever had because yeah. i knew i wasn't going to see him again and, yeah um he came out of out of the coma that he'd been in for two weeks and uh i knew he came out just to say goodbye and he told me he was proud of me and that he'd always look over me and that he would always be with me no matter what um and i told him i said you got to help me win one of these tournaments one of these days he goes i'll i'll do my best and i i promised him i'd 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 win one for him soon yeah and um so he passed a couple days later and he went to sleep and uh when it was about ten thirty, um when we put when we put the fifth fifth good one in in the box um we're sitting there and i kind of had my back turned and all of a sudden i looked down and i um i had a dragonfly on my shoulder Oh and shit. throughout throughout the last five years four years since we lost him um you know he shows up at, at random times you know um he showed up uh on his one year anniversary of his death i was i was struggling with it and uh you know it was tough for me because i never got a chance to grieve and um i was in the middle of green bay fishing and i was kind of thinking about it you know kind of getting down thinking about it dragonfly landed on my shoulder you know and then when we spread his ashes um on his favorite spot and we kicked up like a 100 dragonflies you know so it i'm not a very religious person but i'm a very spiritual person so it was it was emotional for me and that that uh dragonfly landed on my shoulder during the championship and uh I sat there and I started I started tearing up. And I didn't want my code to see because I didn't really want to explain it to him. Um, but I knew that day was going to be special. And I knew I had, you know, a guardian guardian angel looking over me. He helped tip the scales that day. Yeah, you know, and um, I came in and I honestly didn't think I had a chance in that. I didn't think I had it. Um, but once I seen Blosser didn't have an over, uh, I was like, okay, now I have a chance. And then uh, Nick Shirts, who's one of my best friends in this world, um, he was in second and he had an over. And I honestly thought I said I even said it on stage I said you know I'm I'm screwed. Um, Nikki's got this. I said, but hey, you know what? If I got to lose anybody, I, I I want it to be Nikki. And um, he uh, he ended up falling just short, a quarter pound short. And uh, after that, kind of went all black um, for me. Um, but
0: yeah, that was one of my questions when they announced Max Wilson. You're you're you know you're the you're the champion. What go- I mean is it just white noise? Is it like holy shit is like is there like flashes of everything that goes through your head of like all the hard work or
2: you know honestly disbelief? I'd, I'd give anything to go back to that moment um i'd give anything to go back to the, that that 10 minutes that, yeah that it took to weigh in um because i wish i could have enjoyed it more i wanted nothing more than than the time time to speed up you know um because i knew i had some great anglers in front of me yeah um so i kind of just i kind of detached myself from it all um i remember parts of it you know i remember being on stage you can see i'm i'm snapping my hands together a lot i uh my friends were texting me like you know um they they're like stop looking so nervous you're making me nervous <laughs> and i'm like i can't help it you know yeah um but you know when when nick when nick weighed in that's when i knew i was like oh my god i might have this and it 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 was like my heart kind of skipped a beat you know and then when Blosser came up, I start looking at his fish and I'm like, I looked at how much he needed. I'm like, oh my God, he might, he might, he's close. You know, he, he might have that. And Blosser being Blosser, he made me kind of squirm at the, at the uh, weight tank a little bit or at the scales a little bit. And then when he put it on there and that, that scale dropped below 11, he, he needed 11 something. When it dropped down to 10, um, it just a wave of emotions went goes over you you know i just i put my arms up and i wish i reacted better i wish i let out the scream um, <laughs> that i that i had when i caught that fish because the just the, the the journey to get here um and you know people who follow me on facebook you know I, I i try and post the good bad the other you know i try and post everything yeah um and they really you know unless you're there in my you know with me you really just don't know how how close I was to not, not doing this anymore. And, you know, I, I, you, you get, you get to where you're just, you, you don't want to get up out of bed. You know, there got to points in my life where I just, I didn't even want to wake up. You know, I didn't even want to fish anymore. I did. I just wasn't happy. And life was so, so, you know, tough and everything was so tough about it. And um, to be able to dig out of that and get to back to a point where, you know, you finally made a childhood dream to come true. it, it was, it was, you know, it, it gives me chills to this day. Just thinking of the hard work that went into that, and to finally have something that, you know, to signify, you know, what that hard work finally paid off. You know, and to show, to show people that no matter what you do in life, you know, or what you want in life, it's it's attainable, no matter how absurd it is. I mean, to win a national championship at 21, never in a million years did you think anyone would be able to do it.
0: No, my when I was 21, I wasn't. I was just still in college, enjoying <laughs> my ability to go to the bars but <laughs> you know yeah. something like that it's insane how young you were when you won that so that's why you know thanks for sharing that story with us about how how, how to go through that i mean were you the youngest to win it or what's
2: the so th- dylan is the youngest to ever win a, a tournament a national walleye tour just a walleye tournament yeah and then i'm the youngest to ever win a national championship
0: so dylan was how old 20 20 just and,
2: just shy of 21
0: and you were 21 to win a
2: championship yep, okay. just shy of 22 i was at it was actually my birth the day i won the team of the year the week later was actually on my 22nd birthday okay
0: and then briefly real quick and then i want to get back to one of what matt was getting into how's 19 looking for you <laughs> 19's really good so you're going for angler of the year for the nwt right
2: yeah uh currently leading that okay um Panicking a little bit because the next two events, um, Sault Ste. Marie, never been to, um, and Devil's Lake. Uh, I got a bone to pick with her. Oh yeah, yeah. I get she's gonna. I, I'm I'm gonna learn that that woman this year. She's she's not gonna do me do me wrong t- twice now. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's been a great year. It's actually been a phenomenal year. Um, you know, I've you know, I I don't like to I don't like to toot my own horn. I don't like to talk about it. But you know, to have. You know, I'm I'm at 18, like 18 or something tournaments, and I'm at 11 top tens out of the 18. So it's it's been a very good year. Um, I'm getting mad at myself because I've had too many second places, too many third places. I just missed a win this year. Um, I lost the winning fish. You know, so that again, critiquing yourself. But it's yep. it's overall it's it's been a good year. But I I, I expect more, and um, hopefully I can I can continue more after this. Boehner. Lee,
0: you said getting. Uh, I want to get back to your comment earlier that you were talking about. You filmed the Aim series this year. Or I did, just one, or one event. Yes. And you said you didn't realize how much preparation and all that kind of stuff that went into the tournament and everything that went behind it.
1: I didn't realize the gravity going into it. Um, I think watching like like Joe Bricko, um constantly adjusting things or or. Um, being so meticulous in his, um, in every aspect, it, it kind of awoke me to a whole new angle of, of fishing, and it's contagious because I have the bug now.
0: Yeah, and that's why I kind of wanted to tie the two together. Like, after the passion and the ups and downs that Max went through, you kind of see how serious and how intense these guys take these tournaments. Like, a lot of folks think that you're just going out on the water to, whatever, escape from work or, you know, kind of hang out with your buddies. But, like, you talked to, like, something like Max where it was driving him the entire time. Like, those losses were almost, like, fuel to his wins, if that makes sense in your mind. So there was so much on the line for him. It was literally sink or swim.
1: You know, so I saw... So I, I was filming the three JT boats. Yeah. Um, so going in, my... Ideal position was you know JT comes in one two three, that wasn't the reality. But yeah, you know one two five or one one two four. I think they ended up was was pretty amazing and I it couldn't have been scripted any better. Yeah. Um, but watching those guys come in and the amount of work that they had, it was it, it's a pretty cool fire to, to, and it's contagious. And um, I totally get now why Joe doesn't enjoy the, the plane fishing as much as it's going out in tournament fishing well i think that's
0: where you see like folks become professionals and folks who become just recreational weekend fishermen yeah or whatever it is and that's fine i mean that's fishing is it's just as much of what you want to make out of it almost like an art form kind of like it's either how intense you want to be into it do you want to compete like what max was saying like where it's like second is not good enough to him and that's what fuels him to go first or if you're just the guy that likes to go out fill your live well for your limit go home flame up and then that's it Yeah. You know, so
1: I, I filmed everything from competitive to a bunch of guides going out to um something like the rainy river which is like a, you know a quick two-day bite if it's if you're lucky yeah um and i'll tell you the competitive nature of a tournament fishing it was the coolest thing I've I've witnessed. Yeah.
0: I want to get more into it as well. Yeah, I
1: agree. It's a lot of fun. Um all right. One
0: more thing before we depart. I want you to leave the listeners with a tip. It's midsummer right now. We're sitting on in Orlando. It's humid as <laughs> all hell, and it's humid in the Midwest on certain days. And uh these walleye s- tend to disappear in the month of July a little bit. <laughs> and you're heading into doubles eventually. You know, do those fish? We always hear that the walleye suspend this time of year. What is your plan of attack of how to um, adapt to those those fish starting to suspend?
2: You know, summer, midsummer is always an interesting time to fish walleyes. Yeah, um, early summer is the most difficult in my opinion because they're in that tra- <laughs> they're in that transition from spring patterns to summer. Once they set up in their true summer patterns, it's it's difficult, but easy. Um, they go deep, first of all, because yep. that's where the cooler water is. And, for example, like Green Bay is a great, great example. You'll usually have, on a big body of water like that, you'll have two types of fish. And it's the same with Saginaw. It's the same with any, really any great lake. Um, you'll have two types of fish. You'll have your mud basin fish, and you'll have your structure fish. Um, and the best advice I can give for either of those, those types of fish is to stay mobile. Um, be willing to, excuse me, power fish these fish and to trust your electronics. Um, I'm not saying go out and buy the biggest, baddest, most newest electronics out there. (coughs) Excuse me. But your electronics are there to tell you exactly what's underneath you. They are non-biased. They're not out to get you they're there to tell you exactly what's underneath you um and that was my big thing grow you know when i was growing as an angler was to learn how to read my electronics and um especially these basin fish you want to move around until you find these fish because they're going to be schooled up most of the time they're going to be chasing bait um so you want to find a you want to find the bait and b you want to find these schools and you want to see where they are and have a good trolling program have a good selection of baits to where you can get into that strike zone of those fish um And then the other thing that you're going to want to get on is structure fish. These structure fish um, are a little bit easier to catch in my, in my opinion, because you can target these fish a little bit better and you can kind of sit more on top of them. Um, You know, these basin fish can roam four or five miles at a time. I've seen fish go eight miles overnight on me, you know. Um, So these structure fish are generally going to stay in, you know, at least on this piece of structure. The structure may be a quarter mile, half mile, mile, you know, whatever, but these fish, they might move to one side, they might move to the other based off of wind. But a lot of times, these fish are going to ball up. So if you find one, generally, there's going to be multiple. Um, if you go on my Facebook page, I actually just put up a great video um, a couple days ago um, of my experience out in Leech Lake. And um, now, granted, you might not have the Garmin Live Scope like I have, but that's what I was utilizing to catch these Leech Lake, uh, Leech Lake walleyes. And what they were doing was they were schooling. They were suspended, but they were schooling on structure. And I was using... my my electronics, you know, whether it be my regular 2D, which most people have, or my live scope, and I was able to determine where these fish were, and I would get right on top of these fish, or I'd run my baits right over top of these fish, and I'd be able to be able to put it right where these fish are based off of what my electronics were telling me. And these fish were so annoying, because the scope was cool, because I can, I can turn immediately and see where they are, where they moved. Because these fish were moving by hundreds of feet. I would get on top of them, catch one, all of a sudden, they're 200 feet that way. You know what I mean? And so I just had to constantly stay mobile, constantly be willing to, to adjust and move with these fish um, and to really kind of figure out and stay on top of these fish. Summertime, these fish are, they're active, they're moving, they're feeding. Um, so be willing to, to move, and to stay on top of these fish and when you find the pods of fish fish those fish because those are generally going to be the ones that bite you don't really want to target the onesie twosies fish you want to find where those active feeding schools are and stay on top of them bait is going to be your number one thing this time of year whether it be l shad um or mayflies stuff like that that's what those walleyes are feeding on and that's their candy
0: are you casting to them or trolling or just letting the fish tell you what they want
2: you know it it, it all depends you know it, it depends on what your strengths and what your weaknesses are um the last few years i've kind of transitioned into a jigger yeah um i love jigging i think it's the best way to target walleyes um but if you get in those basin areas you know like lake of the woods green bay stuff like that um you really really want to get a good trolling program down because you know if you're in wisconsin or michigan anything like that you can have multiple lines you can set a good program you can really cover the whole water column and you can cover water really fast structure fishing i generally like to jig them because you can really pick out, pick apart a, uh, a piece of structure yeah if there's fish that are burying themselves in the rocks you're more you're more um likely to catch those onesie twosies fish than you are if you're trolling because if you're trolling you might just go past that fish once and either they bite or they don't but if you're jigging them you can cast to that one area 10 times and they might bite on the eighth or ninth time. You know what I mean? So you can really pick of a piece of structure, good jigging. You can troll it good too. You can hit it different angles, stuff like that. But if you're basin fishing, trolling, if you're structure fishing, I'd say, uh, jigging.
0: Last question. If you were to troll only one line, would it be lead core or mono and why? Ooh.
2: Um, a lot of that fat for me factors into a couple different things. One is water clarity. Okay. Um, you know, and, uh, where those fish are setting up. Right. So say we're fishing Saginaw Bay. Yeah. And those fish are a riding high and the water's clear, right? So water's clear in Saginaw Bay on um, those fish are in the top, top section of the water column. And the water is really clear. I'm going to run mono with planter board so I can get that board away from the boat. I can, you know, I can run it away and I can get my baits down deep. You know, if most of my baits can run 20 feet, you know, if I can do that, then I'm going to run boards. But if, um, i'm fishing deeper water the water's more tannic like lake of the woods devils or you know they're more bottom based and they're in that 40 you know like the 30 to 40 feet of water then definitely lead core because then you can really kind of key in exactly where your baits are you can get smaller baits to run deeper and you can really put any type of presentation you want in front of those fish
0: perfect bain you want to send us off with anything
1: no i'm actually totally out of uh comments for the first time in my life Well, good that's uh we, we want to keep really you really surprising <laughs> it, it is like shocking Haley's comment It's bane's comment right here it is shocking <laughs> usually i'm very witty and i'm kind of out of it right now
0: all right well we got to change that max i want to thank you for coming on and uh sharing your story and uh giving us all the great tips and the insight of a young angler up and coming in the in the walleye circuit so uh we wish you all the best of luck this year.
2: Hey, thank you for having me. Hopefully I'm back on soon.
0: All right. Thanks, for, Thanks, everybody. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening.